BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We're here today because a sitting member thought it was okay, okay to post a deranged animated video of himself killing a fellow member of this house. That video has been seen by three million people. It was up for when a member uses his or her national platform to encourage violence, tragically, people listen to those words and they may act upon them. As the resolution it states, is a sad day in which a member who leads a political party cannot bring themselves to say that is wrong. Hello, friends, and welcome to a very different and very special edition of the Bill Press Pod. You probably recognize those voices you just heard at the top of the podcast. They were Congresswoman Jackie Spears, Speaker Nancy Pelosi, and Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, speaking in the House debate last week over whether or not to censure Congressman Paul Gosar of Arizona. It was the first time in 11 years that the House has gathered to censure one of its members, and it did so after Gosar posted a video in the style of a Japanese anime cartoon, which portrayed his beheading Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez and attacking President Biden with a pair of swords. In the end, the vote was 223 to 207, with only two Republicans, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, joining all Democrats, voting to censure Gosar and remove him from two House committees. But this debate was so important that we wanted to bring you the highlights today, because nothing better illustrates the difference between the two major political parties today. As you will hear, the proof is in their speaking, Democrats are seriously concerned about violence and threats of violence, especially against women, women of color, and violence in the workplace. Republicans, on the other hand, are seriously concerned about stroking their base and winning the next election, period. What follows are excerpts from actual speeches on the floor on Wednesday, November 17, as the House debated Gosar's fate. First, the main characters in this drama. In her role as Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi sets the stage. We cannot have a member joking about murdering each other or threatening the President of the United States. This is both an endangerment of our elected officials and an insult to the institution of the House of Representatives. It's not just about us as members of Congress. It is a danger that it represents to everyone in the country. Women across the country particularly feel vulnerable if insults of the nature that existed in this house are allowed to stand. When a member uses his or her national platform to encourage violence, tragically people listen to those words and they may act upon them. As the resolution states, depictions of violence 
can foment actual violence and jeopardize the safety of elected officials as witnessed in this chamber on January 6th. It is inconceivable that a member of our community here would wish to repeat the violence of that dark day. As a woman, Speaker of the House, I want to be clear. These threats specifically target a woman, a woman of color, which is part, as the resolution states, a global phenomenon meant to silence women and discourage them for seeking positions of authority and participating in public life. Again, this is about workplace harassment and violence against women. Yet, the member has never apologized for his actions. It's a cartoon, relax, he said. Really? A cartoon? Relax? Disguising death threats against a member of Congress and a president of the United States is an an, in an animated video does not make those death threats any less real or less serious. And indeed, conveying them this way makes them potentially more dangerous by normalizing violence. It isn't funny. And yes, you have a right to speak. And so do we have a right to react to what you are saying when you are threatening the lives of members of Congress and the President of the United States. It is sad that this entire House must take this step because of the refusal of the leadership of the other party. Indeed, it took nine days for the minority leader publicly spoke out about this threat, and when he did, he merely said it was not the member's intent to ever harm anyone. Really? Then, from the sublime to the ridiculous, Speaker Pelosi, followed by wannabe Speaker, House GOP leader Kevin McCarthy. House Democrats are preparing once again to break another president of the United States House of Representatives. It's an open secret that the American people are facing substantial challenges today. Many of these challenges are Washington-inflicted of one-party rule caused by a Biden administration incompetence and radicalism. Absolute chaos on the southern border. Out-of-control crime. Record-breaking gas prices and inflation. A broken supply chain. A historic labor shortage. A failing education system. And, of course, the humiliating surrender in Afghanistan. Will this Congress be remembered as the Congress that addressed those serious challenges? Not a chance. Instead, I believe this Congress will go down in history as the broken Congress. For nearly four years, as the House Republicans have been voicing the needs of millions of Americans, House Democrats have broken nearly every rule and standard in order to silence dissident and stack the deck for their radical, unpopular agenda. And McCarthy, don't forget, voted on January 6th to overturn Joe Biden's election, even after armed Trump supporters stormed the Capitol and sent McCarthy running for his life. Next up, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the target of Gosar's murder video. She fires back. I've been serving in this body just under three years. Not three years enormous amount has happened. But in response to the Republican leader's remarks when he says that this action is unprecedented, what I believe is unprecedented is for a member of House leadership of either party to be unable to condemn incitement of violence against a member of this body. It is sad. It is a sad day in which 
a member who leads a political party in the United States of America cannot bring themselves to say that issuing a depiction of murdering a member of Congress is wrong, and instead decides to venture off into a tangent about gas prices and inflation. What is so hard? What is so hard about saying that this is wrong? This is not about me. This is not about Representative Gosar. But this is about what we are willing to accept. Not just the Republican leader, but I have seen other members of this party advance the argument, including Representative Gosar himself, the illusion that this was just a joke, that what we say and what we do does not matter so long as we claim a lack of meaning. Now, this nihilism runs deep, and it conveys, uh, it conveys and betrays a certain contempt for the meaning and importance of our work here. That what we do so long as we claim that it is a joke doesn't matter. That what we say here doesn't matter. That our actions every day as elected leaders in the United States of America doesn't matter. That this chamber and what happens in it doesn't matter. And I am here to rise to say that it does. Our work here matters. Our example matters. There is meaning in our service. And as leaders in this country, when we incite violence with depictions against our colleagues, that trickles down into violence in this country. And that is where we must draw the line independent of party, identity, or belief. It is about a core recognition of human dignity and value and worth. So when we talk about, as mentioned in the resolution, that these depictions are part of a larger trend of misogyny and racial misogyny, racist misogyny, this has results in, in dampening the participation. And so this vote is not as complex as perhaps the Republican leader would like to make folks uh, believe. It's pretty, it's pretty cut and dry. Do you find, does anyone in this chamber find this behavior acceptable? Would you allow depictions of violence against women, against colleagues? Would you, would you allow that in your home? Do you think this should happen on a school board, in a city council? in a church, and if it's not acceptable there, why should it be accepted here? Lastly, when the Republican leader rose to talk about how there are all of these double standards and lists a litany of all these different things, not once did he list an example of a member of Congress threatening the life of another. This is not about a double standard and what is unprecedented and what is tragic is the descent of transgression in this body. I grew up as a little girl with awe about our nation's capital, the reverence and the importance and the gravity of our work here. 
So my, the question that I pose to this body in response is will we live up to the promises that we make our children that this is a place where we will defend one another regardless of belief, that our core human dignity matters. If you believe that this behavior is acceptable, go ahead, vote no. But if you believe that this behavior should not be accepted, then vote yes. It's really that simple. Finally, Paul Gosar himself, the nutty congressman from Arizona, uttered this pitiful attempt of an excuse, but no apology. I rise today to address and reject the mischaracterization, accusations from many in this body that the cartoon from my office is dangerous or threatening. It was not, and I reject the false narrative categorically. I do not espouse violence towards anyone. I never have. It was not my purpose to make anyone upset. I voluntarily took the cartoon down, not because it was itself a threat, but because some thought it was. Out of compassion for those who generally felt offense, I self-censored. Last week, my staff posted a video depicting a policy battle regarding amnesty for tens of millions of illegal aliens. This is an enemy that speaks to young voters who are too often overlooked. The cartoon directly contributes to the understanding and the discussion of the real-life battle resulting from this administration's open border policies. This body is considering passage of Mr. Biden's reckless socialist Marxist $4.9 trillion dollar spending bill that provides $100 billion for amnesty to tens of millions of illegal aliens already in this country. Gosar, of course, ever loyal to Trump, also voted on January 6 against certifying Biden's election. Then followed other members of the House, Democrat and Republican. Again, notice the difference. Democrats try to speak to the question at hand, while Republicans just spit out the same old talking points proving once again that the old adage is true. You may not agree with everything that Democrats do, but at least they're trying to govern and get things done, while Republicans just oppose anything that Democrats propose and stir up more fear among their base. You'll hear that over and over in these excerpts. First up, Congresswoman Jackie Speer of California, who, as a young congressional staffer, was shot five times in the Jonestown massacre. I take no pleasure in introducing this resolution. No one asked me to introduce it. No one tapped me on the shoulder. I am a victim of violence. I know what it's like. I also was in the gallery clamoring for life when the shots rang out in the speaker's lobby. We're here today because a sitting member thought it was okay, okay to post a deranged animated video of himself killing a fellow member of this house and also attacking the president of the United States. That video has been seen by three million people. It was up for over two days before it was taken down. Inciting violence begets violence. Congressman Ocasio-Cortez has become the go-to subject of the radical right to stir up their base, as too often is the case for women of color. It is disgusting and profoundly unacceptable. Tragically, the minority leader has not condemned the video, 
For eight days, he said nothing. Silence normalizes violence. Violence against women in politics is a global phenomenon. A 2016 survey by the Interparliamentary Union found that 82% of women parliamentarians have experienced psychological violence, and 44% have received threats of death, rape, beatings, or abduction. The intent of these online threats against women is clear. Silence them. Strip them of their power and discourage them from running for office. The congressman defends his post, published with House resources and posted on his official Twitter and Instagram accounts. It didn't stop there. He sent an email to supporters that weekend stating that the faux outrage was infantile. This is not faux outrage. This is not infantile. And then he went on to say the accusations are shrill and hyperventilating. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to glean that this is gender-coded language. The congressman shows no remorse. In fact, yesterday the congressman said, I did not apologize. Let me be clear. If a Democrat did the same thing, I would introduce the same resolution. Next, Congressman David Cicilline, a rising star among Democrats and part of the House leadership. I watched this video and I was sickened when I saw Mr. Gosar depicting the killing of another member of this body and brandishing swords at the President of the United States. This kind of rhetoric is not just unfitting of a U.S. representative. It's dangerous and it can be deadly, as we saw on January 6th and in 2011 when an individual shot then-Congresswoman Gabby Giffords after Sarah Palin sent out a video with shooting targets on various congressional districts, including Gabby's. While healthy debate on the issues is what keeps our democracy alive, this is not that. Now, a Republican member, Tom Rice from South Carolina. Now, I ask all of you out there to watch the Gozar cartoon that is occupying the floor of the United States Congress for over an hour today. Is it inappropriate? Yes. Childish? Of course. Stupid? Without question. But is it a threat? Absolutely not. Just hours after the insurrection, Rice, by the way, also voted to overturn Biden's election. But a more powerful voice from South Carolina followed, Majority Whip James Clyburn. This incendiary behavior cannot go unaddressed. The minority leader's failure to hold his conference member accountable leaves us no choice but to proceed with this action. I often refer to the hall of this house as America's classroom. As members of this august body, we should conduct ourselves in a way that we want our students to emulate. Mr. Gozar's behavior fails our students, fails our colleagues, and fails our nation and ideals we espouse. Republican Congressman Kelly Armstrong is one of the few Republicans who did vote to accept the results of the Electoral College. Rules of conduct and decorum have been applied equal, have to be applied equally to all members or the institution continues to aggrade. And the rules are not being applied equally. And it's noticed by us, it's noticed by the American people, it's unfortunate and it's sad. Back on the Democratic side of the aisle, Congresswoman Catherine Clark of Massachusetts, who's Assistant Speaker of the House, adds her voice of reason. 
It started with the white supremacist online fringe movement, and it turned into a deadly January 6th insurrection. And now I stand before you because a member of this body has once again had her life threatened, but this time by a colleague who posted a video of killing her on his official account. And it's no coincidence that the recipients of this violence are most often women and women of color because this violence is directly connected to sexism and racism. We cannot and must not accept this behavior. And silence and excuse is condoning it. Enough is enough. Vote for this resolution. Vote for censure. Vote for decency. What a contrast with a bombastic Jim Jordan of Ohio, Freedom Caucus robot, and Trump toady. As we speak, the FBI is treating parents as terrorists. The Department of Justice is getting ready to pay people $450,000 who illegally entered our country, and Democrats in Congress later this week plan to spend $2 trillion more, which will, we all know will only exacerbate the already 30-year high inflation. And what are they doing today? Censuring a member for a cartoon. Chalk Jordan up for another no vote on January 6th. Shocker. But California's great Barbara Lee gets things back on track. Representative Gozar used taxpayer-funded resources to publicize a cartoon of him killing one of our House colleagues and threatening to kill the president. When Republicans don't condemn death threats against their colleagues and the president, it sends a message to the public that these threats are condoned. But it's not only members of Congress but women and people of color throughout the country who daily deal with the threat of physical violence, this is no laughing matter. Next, speaking for the crazies, Congressman Andy Biggs of Arizona. Let's take a look at what Democrats in Congress are ignoring so they can censure a conservative Republican because he posted a cartoon they found offensive and which he took down himself. More than two million illegal aliens crossing our border this calendar year. Attorney General Garland deploying federal, federal agents to spy on parents. Inflation, driving gas prices up. Everybody's Thanksgiving dinner's going up. A vax mandated is clearly unconstitutional. A bankruptcy-inducing, bureaucracy-bloating spending bill by Democrats. Supply chain in shambles. Surprise, surprise. Another big no vote on January 6th. But now another voice of reason. Democrat Dean Phillips of Minnesota. I've heard everything talked about today, inflation, Afghanistan, schools, except the issue we're here for, a censure of a member of Congress who issued a despicable video showing the killing of a fellow member of Congress. And to my friend from Virginia who said, if Democrats had done this, what would we do? Rest assured, my friends, every one of you, we would do the same thing because I will never, ever, ever allow a fellow member of Congress to threaten or distribute a video showing the killing of one of us, let alone another American. Note the difference in tone and message from another nut job and another vote against certifying the November 3rd election, Clay Higgins of Louisiana. America is being crushed under the oppressive weight of the Democrats' greed for lust and power. They want totalitarian control over every aspect of American life, and they're ruling the people's house as if they were royalty. America is dissolving under our feet, and Democrats are worried about cartoons. Our southern border control has disintegrated. American sovereignty is lost. 
As chair of the House Democratic Conference, New York's Hakeem Jeffries has proven to be one of the most articulate and effective members of the House, which he demonstrates here once again. I rise to make it clear that we have an opportunity today to choose decency over demonization, to choose civility over cynicism, to choose the rule of law over recklessly violent behavior. That is why the House of Representatives is acting and acting decisively. We cannot normalize violence today. We cannot normalize violence tomorrow. We cannot normalize violence at any point moving forward in our future. The House will hold Paul Gosar accountable for his violent and deplorable behavior, whether the cover-up caucus likes it or not. Vote yes on this censor resolution. But there are still many Republican fans of Paul Gosar, like Bob Good of Virginia. We cannot point to one thing in the country that's going well under these disastrous policies, the border invasion, the rising gas prices, the out-of-control inflation, the reckless spending of our children's future, there's not the failure in Afghanistan, our failure with our standing around the world. There's not one issue. Rising crime, nothing they can point to. So instead, we point to a distraction here today. And you won't be surprised to know that Good was also a no vote on certifying the November 3rd election. And finally, Harvard and Stanford-educated freshman Congressman Mondaire Jones from New York making the case against Gozar. Not since the Civil War has Congress operated under the constant threat of violence from some of its own members. But here we are. Maybe I shouldn't be surprised, having watched so many of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle incite and then express support for the insurrectionists who nearly killed us in this chamber on January 6th. If we don't hold people like Mr. Gosar accountable, we will only embolden the worst people in our politics to bring their fever dreams to life. That is why today we are standing up for the safety of our colleagues, for the safety of Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, and for the future of our democracy. As you've heard, it was a powerful and passionate debate, indeed, one for the history books, but also a lopsided debate, one side making a strong, moral, fact-based argument the other side spouting nonsense. Now, let's take a quick break on the Bill Press Pod before summing it up. And today's podcast brought to you by the Laborers International Union of North America, or LIUNA, L-I-U-N-A. Good members of LIUNA, over half a million strong. They're the backbone of the labor, industry, labor unions in this country. Uh, doing construction work, uh, building new schools, roads and highways, water and sewer system treatment plants. Uh, In the energy field, building solar panels and wind turbines and old-fashioned pipelines. And in the public sector, some 70,000 members of the Labor's Union supporting working families, providing good jobs and good benefits for working families in America. We salute the members of LIUNA and their president, President Terry O'Sullivan, Thank them for their support of the Bill Press Pod. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? 
Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. And we're back on today's Bill Press Pod, where we've been listening to highlights from the House vote on November 17 to censure Congressman Paul Gosar. After two hours of so-called debate, the Democratic chair of the House Ethics Committee and the Republican ranking member had the last words. First up, ranking member Jackie Walorski of Indiana. She at least made a legitimate procedural argument. I absolutely reject violence and calls for violence against any member of Congress or anyone else. But by rushing this vote to the floor today and ignoring the process, the majority is setting a precedent that I fear may not serve this institution well in the future. The majority should withdraw this resolution and if it chooses, pursue this matter properly through law enforcement or and the Ethics Committee. I'm going to vote no and hope at some point that the Ethics Committee will once again serve this body as it was intended. But join the club. Wolorski also voted to overturn Biden's election on January 6. Thank God Ethics Chairman Ted Deutsch of Florida was there to make the closing statement. None of us want to be here today revisiting the violent imagery, the vile, hateful content that Representative Gosar delighted in disseminating over his official social media accounts material defended over and over and over today by our colleagues. Had Republican leadership acted as it should to hold their own members accountable when they breached the most basic standards of decorum and decency, we wouldn't be here. Yet the House cannot ignore Representative Gosar's conduct as Republicans would have us do. January 6th, must serve as a reminder of just how important this action is we're about to take. On January 6th, violence stoked by hateful imagery and inflammatory rhetoric over social media found its way to the steps of the United States Capitol and the doors of this chamber. On that day, insurrectionists broke windows right near where I stand. Capitol police officers drew their weapons. Members bravely blocked their entrance. Heroes valiantly repelled the attack on our democracy. On this day, with our votes on this resolution, let us reject the notion that it is ever acceptable for a member of Congress to threaten the safety of a fellow member, to depict the murder of a fellow member. Let this resolution serve as an unwavering statement that never in this House should the type of horrific, violent imagery be deemed acceptable. Madam Speaker, Speaker I would ask that my colleagues on the other side of the aisle to smash the partisan lens through which they view this behavior and this debate. And I would ask all of my colleagues to support safety and civility 
and decency. When it was all over, the House voted 223 to 207 to censure Paul Gosar, again with only two Republican votes. Thank you for joining us today. Again, we thought it was important to revisit this debate over Paul Gosar because nothing better shows today's contrast between two political parties, how one party has become bereft of any ethical or moral core, how consumed the Republican Party has become with total, blind, unbending partisanship, and how under the feckless leadership of Kevin McCarthy, anything goes, even suggestions of murdering a House colleague. Remember that the next time that somebody tells you there's no difference between the two parties. I'm Bill Press, and that's today's podcast. Thanks again for being with us. Because of Thanksgiving, we'll be back with our Reporters Roundtable this week on Wednesday, not Friday. That's Wednesday, November 24, with Maya King from Politico, Elena Treen from Axios, and Hunter Walker from Rolling Stone and Uprising. That's it for now. Be good, take care of yourself, and we'll see you on Wednesday for the Roundtable. <laughs>